Hello, and welcome to Intersect, a podcast where we find connection in each other's story. Today, it is Pastor Jim and I here with our special guest, Caleb. An old buddy of mine. Yeah, Caleb and I met, I think, way back in Colorado, but... I don't know. I think I'd like to keep Lauren guessing a little bit. So do you have any ideas what happened in Colorado and how we met? Ooh, well, I did hear something about music. So I know Caleb's a musician. I just met Caleb when I walked in the door here. So all I know about him so far is he's a musician. His last name is Stock, and his his uh, his family has a ranch in Canyon City, so that kind of goes yeah. together. It's kind of like a stock yard. <laughs> that's exactly what yes. it is. <laughs> a ranch, that's super yeah. cool. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I grew up in Colorado, as Jim was alluding to, and uh, we met when I was going to camp in there. Um, he would come over and pick me up and take me to the church that he was pastoring at the time and kind of walked me through... Um, how to play praise music and chords on the piano. Um, I'd been trained kind of classically up to that point and hadn't had a lot of experience with chords. And so Jim kind of showed me the ropes on how to translate that onto the piano, guitar chords. And so that was, that, I really enjoyed that. It was kind of the precursor to forming a band there at Campion with some of my friends and and doing all that sort of stuff. So that, that was a lot of fun. Um, fun. Since then, I've come here to Southern um, graduated with a music degree and just making my way as a musician now. So when did you graduate? What year was that? From Southern, twenty fourteen. Right. Uh, May of twenty fourteen. Ten years yeah. are, is coming up here pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, it is. That's kind of hard to believe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> goes by fast. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear a little more about your story. So, where should we start? Well, Caleb, tell us a little bit uh, now. When you left Southern, you had some some pretty clear ambitions. Tell us about your journey when you left. And as we're getting into your story, we're going to be interested to know a couple of things. One is, how did your conversation with God play into your journey? And then um, secondly, out of that, you know, kind of journey towards maybe calling, conversation with God... How did God even grow your capacity to engage with the people in your circle of influence, uh, you know, maybe through listening? And um, so, yeah, just tell us a little bit about what happened after you left. Yeah. So I graduated in May, um, had just come back from being a student missionary in Peru and uh, was sticking around here um, in Chattanooga. I mean, it had always been my dream. Actually, let me back up. We're going to kind of start over a little bit. That's good. Yeah. So when I came to Southern, um, I wanted to be a songwriter. And one of the reasons I looked at at this place and was interested is because it was just down the road from Nashville. And I was like, hey, you know, as a songwriter, you're not too far out of town from there. And so this would be a great location. Um, And so it was always kind of a goal to go up to Nashville after I graduated. And uh, once I graduated... Um, I was interested. I wasn't quite ready to take the jump and, and just go full into the deep end of the pool yet. So I stuck around here in Chattanooga, um, and got a job selling insurance downtown. So, uh, and that was a great experience. Learned a lot of good business skills from those folks there. Um, and I remember, um, 
I had a couple things come up in life where it kind of shook things up and I was really mm. like, is this really how I want to be spending my time? Like I've always dreamed of going to Nashville. I'm not going to Nashville. And so I just started really praying about it and thinking about it. And, and I was like, okay, you've only got one life to live. Like it's time to jump in and go do that. And um, another memory that really comes to mind is I had a friend who got married in Gatlinburg mm. around that same time. It might've been right after I moved to Nashville, but it's it's an important part of that. Um, and I remember driving by myself back from from my friend's wedding and really feeling God calling me to be his musician. Hmm. Um, and it was pretty clear to me. And so I was like, okay, well, that that's why I'm here and that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what that looks like, if that's in the church, if that's outside of the church, what that looks like totally. So but, what, like when you say you heard God calling you, like was that a conversation? Was it just as you were reflecting, driving the car? I mean, what was going on where... His calling is kind of being clarified. Like, how do you listen to God? How do you sense when He's speaking? Yeah, um, you know that's a really good question. I guess for me, um, it was just it was driving down the interstate. I think I'd probably had some worship music on. I don't totally remember the environment at the mm-hmm. time, but I was. I do remember like questioning God and being like, "What am I doing?" Because I think I was in Nashville at that point already. Like, what am I doing there? And been there for a couple months. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? Where's this lead? Am I in the right place? Should I be doing this? Um, and a, a, a part of that as well is uh, there's not a lot of support for people in secular music mm. in, in uh, the Adventist faith, I wouldn't say. Mm. Um and so I think a lot of those questions were coming from that too, because a lot of the music I tended to gravitate towards and tended to write was more of a, in a secular vein. Mm-hmm. Definitely had a Christian perspective, but it had that um, secular spin on it as well, mm. where it's not something you would get up and play for special music at church. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that part in there, and uh, I was just really kind of wrestling with God on the way home from the wedding um, and asking him, what direction should I be going? Am I even in the right place? And it was really kind of just a, a deep impression and I guess almost like a voice, not an audible voice, but like mm-hmm. be my musician kind of thing. And that be my musician didn't necessarily equate to just church music. Is that correct? No, and that was the thing is like it didn't point me in any specific direction, but it gave me peace of mind to know like – okay, well, I know that like some sort of musicianship is required of me and that's what, maybe not required, but that's what God's calling me to. Hmm. Um, and yeah, so so follow that out, tease it out, see where it goes. Yeah, okay. So, so yeah, so you're, you go to this Fred's wedding, um, you have this sense of, hey, be my musician, and then kind of... Um, from there, you you spent some more time in Nashville. You were there for yeah. a year or two. What do you feel like God I was, was there about two and a half years? What do you feel like God was teaching you during that time, or how was when you look back at that time in your life? What, what how does this thread of be my musician? What kind of things surface during that time? That's one question. Another question is I'm also more interested about just how you 
kind of have this ongoing conversation with God because ever since I've known you, it's been like, yeah, I'll, I'll go for a walk in the woods and feel like God's telling me something. So those two threads are interesting to me. One is, you know, your conversation. Maybe we'll come to that as we get to you coming to Chattanooga, maybe, because I know you were doing a lot of that walking and talking when you got here. But but so maybe the first question then is that one like, okay, this be my musician idea, how does that begin to play out when you're like for that rest of that stretch while you're in Nashville? Yeah. So I would say I grew up fairly sheltered um, huh. inside the Adventist church, didn't get mm-hmm. out much, like as far as like outside of the Adventist faith or even like hanging out with people, yeah, like even outside of the faith, not even like church tradition, but just like intersecting with other people and outside f- of Adventism. And for our listeners, whether you're Baptist or Methodist or Catholic or, you know, maybe maybe you grew up in a kind of agnostic home, but your parents were like protective, like, yeah, you're still going to be in at nine or 10. I think we can all sometimes grow up sheltered depending on even what our upbringing is. But in your context, it was this yeah, Adventist yeah. community. So you're growing up sheltered mm-hmm. and you're moving to that, Nashville. Yeah, that and like coming from a family culture of like, we just work and like hanging out with people is like, that's kind of awkward. And I'm still trying to figure that part out, like mm-hmm. just enjoying being with people just to hang out. I tend to interact and enjoy people better when we have like a common purpose and something we're working towards. But I think, I mean, that's all just a side tangent, a side note. But um, so coming with both of those things to Nashville, where you like, you have a clear purpose of, of why I'm there. I'm trying to like be a musician, um, but also like I don't fit with a lot of the people around me culturally because I've not interacted with a lot of people outside of Adventist um, culture. And so I'm not really sure how to like interact. And there's, and maybe it's like, I don't know if it was ever meant to be portrayed this way to me, but it was almost like, like people outside of the faith, like are lost and like, we maybe shouldn't interact with them unless you're trying to reach them kind of thing. And so all that's like playing in Mm. and I don't really buy into that, but somehow that's like in my subconscious culture of like, Mm. of how you're viewing some of these people. And so it is interesting to try to like start interacting with people outside of the Adventist bubble. Mm-hmm. So I've always grown up um, in Adventist grade school, then went to academy, then come to an Adventist university. So I've always been inside this Adventist cocoon, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you start interacting with these other people from other faith communities, um, different cultures and backgrounds, and you're like, oh, these guys are just like me, you know? Like, yeah. They have the same wants and desires for the most part mm-hmm. out of life. Um, and so that was really interesting to me um, and really eye-opening. Um, one experience that really stands out in this regard, I have a couple, but one was uh, I was, uh, my roommate had left. He was in residency at the time. And so he'd gone on a rotation out of the state and then both of him and I agreed, hey, we're going to Airbnb your room to help cover rent while you're gone. Mm. So we brought these, we were just having a bunch of random people come through. It was a really great experience. Got to le- meet a lot of really cool people. Um, and this this one, I think it was a couple guys came and stayed in my, in my roommate Irving's room mm. this one time. And they were going to go see Johnny Cash's son play at a venue there in town. Mm-hmm. Cha-ching. I mean, cash. Yeah. Right. Go, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, so 
we're chatting it up for the first little bit right when they got in, um, and we're having a great conversation, just enjoying getting to know each other and kind of, you know, giving them some tips on things to do while they're in town, that sort of stuff. And uh, the conversation kind of comes to an end, and he's going to go get ready to go to the show. And he's like, hey, man, I've really enjoyed, like, hanging out. He's like, maybe we, we all, me and my buddy and you, can go get some drinks and go see, go see uh, Johnny Cash's son together. And I was like, oh. And I, like, I never grew up drinking. I still don't drink just mm-hmm. as a personal choice. But I was, like, totally taken back by that. And I was like, ah. Oh. And I was like, I, I don't drink. Sorry, man. And so I totally turned him down. Mm. And then later that, that it might have just been, like, right around, like, 10 minutes later or something, I was kind of thinking through the interaction. And I was mm. like, he wasn't, like, like, there was nothing evil innately about that. Right. Um, there was nothing ill-intentioned by that. Like, all this guy was trying to do was connect with me. Mm. He enjoyed the connection we had and the conversation we had, and he wanted to invite me into a friendship and, and extend that. And the, his culture and the way that he would do that is by inviting you to go get some drinks. Yeah, that's really interesting. So maybe you could have said something like, "Yeah, man, I'd love to join you. Are you, are you guys okay if I just do a soda or something? You know? Yeah, and so that's yeah. what I actually did. I went back to him because he still hadn't left yet, and I was like, hey, I'd love to go with you guys. I was like, I understand you're just trying to hang out, like, I'm sure it was really awkward for him, like, oh, okay, mm. what? But yeah. So, but it was really neat to connect those dots for me, and be like, okay, like people are just trying to like they come from different cultures and backgrounds. We're trying to all just connect and hang out with each other, mm. and it might look different or sound different on the front end of what you might be comfortable with, but mm. maybe look for what they're really trying to say behind that. I guess. Yeah, and it reminds me of like in the Gospels where, you know. What was that thing that, you know, where Jesus that was like hanging? Like, Oh, yeah, the disciples when they were saying, oh, you shouldn't be hanging out with those people. But yeah. Jesus is like, well, I'm just here to be their friends. Yeah, and right. That, yeah. that reminds me of that experience. Yeah, like where he's accused of like being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Not that these guys were, I mean, they might have been committed Christians. They yeah, just didn't yeah. have the same value as you. But um, yeah, that, that. Yeah, you can grow up in certain ways that make you think, oh, I can't associate with certain people. But then, you know, what does it mean to find common ground? What does it mean to um, go like, yeah, I can still stand for some things that I value and, and think that are important and and we can be different in how, say, we approach drinking or whatever. But uh, to not just let some of those things always be the kind of things that prevent us from from intersecting, from finding connection. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the other lady that comes to mind that I connected with, her name was Kenya. Mm. Um, and I, I haven't talked to her for probably a year or so, but we still catch up with each other every once in a while. Um, I was actually out on one of those prayer walks and talks with God. Mm. I happen to live right on Music Row, right there downtown, which was really cool. Tons of history as far as like the studios and all mm. the music businesses that are right there. Um, and that was a whole God thing, how I landed there on Music Row. Mm. But so the only place, and coming from Southern, I would always go for walks on the biology trail. That was my mm. place to go connect with God. And so moving into the heart of Nashville, there's like, there's no parks or like natural quiet spaces to go connect with God mm. right close. I mean, there's there's a few like Radnor Lake and that sort of stuff, but that's like a 20 minute drive away. Um, so I would just kind of walk the, the uh, alley because Music Row is a one-way street on one side of the block mm-hmm. and then a one-way street on the other. Yeah. And then in the middle, 
there's this alley between all the the two sides of houses essentially mm-hmm. in this row and so i would just walk the alleyway and go pray and talk to god and uh, this one time i was just walking and talking and there was these two ladies at a dumpster as i was walking by and i don't think i talked to them that time i kept going and then on the way back they were still there and so i was like hey do you guys need some help if they weren't in the dumpster. No, then. they were just like they were like well dressed ladies, like because they were working in yeah, like a publishing yeah, company yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Hey, do you guys need help?" And they were like, "Yeah, I was throwing the trash away and accidentally threw my keys in with them." Oh, so oh, it was no. like, "Can you get <laughs> so, in the dumpster?" Yeah. Not them, but yeah. Caleb. Yeah, <laughs> da, exactly. da, da, da. Yeah. So I climbed in there and got her the keys, and um, and. Kenya and I developed a friendship through that, and mm. she kind of turned into a mentor of sorts mm. for me as far as songwriting and that sort of stuff. And, wow, cool. Um, <clears throat> so I think, you know, the takeaway from Nashville is, like, just be willing to be God's musician and connect with people mm. that are outside of your culture, that are outside of your, um, like, what your comfort zone, essentially. Yeah. You know, because uh, really that's how God has created us to be, is to be in community and to be... Um, you know, just connecting with one another. That's how we yeah. get a better picture of who God is. That's how we, that's how I think God answers prayers a lot of times is through mm. connections with friends or family or, or even totally random strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, God wants us to connect with one another. So, man, I've taken four L's. I feel like I got a whole sermon from your story so far. There's lis- yep. uh, listen, uh, live, love and let God lead, you know, like here, you're just like, you hear him say to your heart, you know what, be my musician. And then you're just kind of going, because I think sometimes we like with ambition, sometimes we think, oh, like I'm going to go conquer the world. And I remember like when I was in seminary and didn't have, I wasn't sponsored by any like church organization, didn't know where I was going to be working. And I wrote letters to every state in the union, like, you know, all the conferences, can I come work for you, you know? <laughs> and none of that materialized. Uh, but a friend of mine that I had been in class with went out to work in the Rocky Mountains and he told this guy, Frank Tochterman, hey, talk to Jim. And so I literally like, I had this like little box. This is back in the day. I mean, this is like technology for sure. But I had this box and you could push like one and off and I didn't even have to get out of my bed. It, it, it was like plugged into like, the electric socket and it would turn off the lights in the room. So I literally just turned all the lights off and then Frank calls and I picked up the phone unbelievably and he's like, yeah, do you want to interview to come work for Rocky Mountain? But I think sometimes it's like we we feel like we got to orchestrate something but if we'll just have a conversational journey with Jesus, you know, in which we're listening as much as telling, probably talking, um, and then live live our life, love the people that need their keys drug out of the dumpster, mm-hmm. and let God lead. And so, so part of His leading then was this this thing of like, okay, so we're not um, staying in Chattanooga or staying in Nashville. Uh, there, there, there was a shift that took place that. Yeah. They brought you back to Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Want to dive into that? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Okay. And, All right. And 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 you, I, I think when you move back here too, kind of like you kind of like 
your journey with Jesus maybe kind of amped up a little bit too in terms of that walking, talking, hearing from God, interacting, um, almost like he became your business partner. So maybe you can flush a little bit of that out too. Okay, yeah. So I came back to Chattanooga in February of 2017. Um, Moved back in to my parents' house. So right off the bat, it was a pretty stereotypical musician millennial scenario. There's a YouTube video about millennials, you know, yeah, where these like, yeah. boomers are making confessions about the problems. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So I was probably at a, I wouldn't say an all-time low, but like self-esteem-wise, like I was like, this is bad. Musician, mm. moving back in with mom and dad, in your late 20s, uh, coming home from Nashville, kind of like with your tail between your legs kind of thing. Um, that's kind of where I was landing here in Chattanooga again. And, and um, so I would go f- for walks a lot. I would spend mm-hmm. probably two or three hours, maybe not every day, but pretty often up on the biology trails because that, that was my home during college. And coming back here, I was like, all right, cool, we're going to go out there. Um and I, I started learning to love how to jog while I was in Nashville. So then jogging on the biology trails while talking to God became a new thing that was really enjoyable. And jogging while it's raining and talking to God is like, that's as high as it gets, <laughs> So <laughs> in, in my opinion. so In the rain, jogging, talking to God. On the biology trails. Yeah, you're just out there by yourself. The rain is coming down. I feel a remake coming on. Yeah? Oh. Yeah. Of Michael W. Smith? No. like Oh. Jogging in the rain. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lawrence yeah. laughing politely, like, okay, that's enough dad jokes already. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was out there. I was really lost. Didn't know what to do or, or where to where to end up because I'd gone to Nashville thinking I was going to be like the next John Mayer, Taylor Swift kind of thing. Like, write about your broken heart. You everything will work out. And uh, it definitely didn't work out that way. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful it didn't. Um, but coming back, just feeling really lost as far as like, okay, well, like, I feel like God called me to be his musician. So I thought that's what was happening in Nashville. And now here I'm back in Chattanooga. Like, I'm still only a couple hours away, and I'd still drive back and forth and do work every once in a while with some friends. But like, where is this all leading? I'm living back with my family, like... Uh, I'm not really supporting myself, you know. Um, and so I started teaching a handful of students because uh, I've always been a numbers guy and I love to just like figure out like, okay, if I teach this many students, it'll bring in this much money. Or, you know, just if I do this much work, it'll bring this much money. And so I always play the numbers game in my head of like figuring out how to get ahead financially. And so when I moved back, part of that, the leading that God, I felt God laid on me was like, don't take on any source of income which was pretty tough um, mm. for the first few months. But I think it was a good spot because God, I think he's still trying to break me out of it. But like I really started to realize that uh, money or, yeah, probably money was a God for me. It's something mm. that I trusted in. It's something that I put faith in and that I'd feel really uncomfortable without. Um, mm. When really, and it was something that would provide for me and really like all these things are attributes I should be giving to God. And so mm. I think that's really where like, the period of time where God's like, don't have an income, just mm. like, just live there with your folks and 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 really lean on me. So it was really hard. Um, 
uh, as far as that and as far as like lacking kind of a sense of purpose. And so through walking with God, I did feel okay to take on about 12 piano students again mm. the following uh, school year. So about eight months later, seven months later, I, I started a little teaching studio out of my home or out of my parents' home actually in the bedroom I was living in. And uh, my parents were really nice about that, thankfully. And so took that year and I was and intentionally only had 12 students so that I couldn't like get ahead of myself financially and mm. be like, okay, if I have this many students, it'll equate to this. So I'd be like, this is all I need to survive. Mm. Um, it's probably more than I need to survive living here with my folks. Yeah. And uh, so it got, that was a good experience. It also taught me to like, just like focus on the 12 students I had, mm. be really personable with these kids, be like really get to know them. Don't look at them as a number. Don't like look at them as like a project. Like we're both here to work on this. So we're only going to connect over this. Mm. Like figure out how to try to start interacting with these kids and figure out their interests and have somewhat of a relationship outside of piano with them. Mm. Uh, granted, like I never saw them really outside of piano lessons. So there wasn't a lot of a relationship, but I would try to like start the piano lesson with a prayer and like talk to them about their week and like spend like five or 10 minutes of the 30 minutes like just getting to know them and like mm. hearing about their week and trying to conversate with them about that. Um, and I think that was, that was really good. Um, yeah. And then through that, I stumbled into another program of teaching students in a group setting. So you'd have like four or five kids in a classroom yeah. at the same time and prayed a lot about that before I dove in and took the training for that and felt like that was okay for me to, to move forward in after walking and talking with God about that. Hmm. Um, and I struggled with that a lot too, because I was like, okay, I felt like God's told me to be his musician, but like being a teacher doesn't feel like being God's musician. Mm. Mm -hmm. So how do I move forward in this? Um, and so, but through a lot of prayer and I was like, okay, I feel like this is the right move. Um, and so it transitioned to that and the studio bloomed like 38 students the next fall mm. after that. And then the year after that, it, it popped up to like 70 students. Wow. So, yeah, and I was able to hire a couple students at Southern as, like, interns and teacher assistants. And so it was really fun to do all that stuff and provide um, jobs for music students here at Southern. Because um, mm. I remember being there as a music student. And um, as a student, I always want to make the most of my time and figure out how I can, like, either further my career while I'm doing this job during college or... Um, or, or have a job like you're sitting at a desk and you can do your homework while you're there. Um, and maybe you can relate to that, Lauren. Yes, and, I have uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> and so to have a job where you could bring music students in and be like, hey, because as a music student, like you're, you're, most of them coming through Southern are either going to be teachers or they're going to be uh, going into the medical field. Um, typically, those were my colleagues and classmates when I was here. So I was like, if there's a way that I can bring these interns in who are people who are, that's their goal is to be a teacher mm -hmm. and I can give them hands-on experience and like bring them into this right now, that would be so awesome. Wow. And so it was really cool. It worked out for about a semester and a half and then COVID shut everything down. <clears throat> so yeah. Oh, yeah. not COVID. But I mean, it was, it was a great experience while it, while it ran and I was super proud of it, super happy with it. And, um, Actually, I've been 
my wife and I just moved recently. Mm -hmm. And so I was clearing out my filing cabinet and came across all these letters from the students oh, over the wow. years, from, from my time in Nashville, because I taught there as well, mm. um, even up till until 2020 when, wow. when we closed the studio. Just random notes like Christmas notes wow. or thank you notes throughout the years. And so that kind of stuff, I don't know, like really shows me that it's important to connect with other people. Yeah. On a level of not just like, hey, we're here to do a job. Let's let's get it done. And I still really struggle with figuring out how to connect with people outside of work. But mm. like, I think those letters and thank you cards are like uh, encouragement to me that like I was connecting with them more than just like for piano lessons because they're not going to send those kind of things to their piano teacher if they're not really connecting with them. Mm. You know, two things that come to mind as you're talking is one is that. Um, my wife, like, if she's like, I like to just say, come, let's go to the coffee shop and hang out and sip coffee and have a conversation. And he was like, I cannot sit around and connect. We have to be doing something. So she started this thing called Scatter Kindness, where she gets girlfriends and they make these floofy things with ribbons and gifts and pumpkins and lemons and I don't know, whatever they decide to make. And they, 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 uh, you know, they one time they did pineapples with a rhythm, and, and they took them around to people in the community, and they're like, and, and had a little tag on it that said, um, "Be sweet and wear a crown." And they, you know, they would just give them, you know, like scattering kindness, and then maybe pray, pray a prayer. In fact, when they did the pineapples, the lady down here at the the drugstore in Four Corners like chased her out of the store and was like. Who does this? Who does this? And she's like, "You're restoring my faith in humanity." <laughs> you know, and so um, and she was in the middle. That was during COVID. She was yeah. like, they, she had like a, a shop full of people coming to get vaccines. Um, but you know, Ingrid talks about you know if she's going to connect, let's go for a walk. Let's go do a service project together. Let's do. And so I think I think sometimes maybe what we envision as connecting or, or, or we kind of like last time, um, recently we had, um, what? Oh, Valeria. Valeria. And, and, and it was talking about how you guys connected and it was really mm -hmm. just. Yeah, yeah. Just like she just asked me to come eat breakfast with her one time and now we're like really great friends and everything. So yeah. Yeah. So I think mm -hmm. sometimes maybe we have this thing about what we think of, uh, where or how we should connect. And if, Work is your space to connect. I, I don't think you have to apologize for it. You just go like, and then the other thing that came to my mind as I was listening to your story is I think sometimes like, and maybe your story isn't finished yet, yeah. right? So yeah. you might still end up being that John Mayer, Michael W. Smith, or you know Taylor Swift or whatever. That space may still open up. We don't know for sure. But this is one thing I know listening to you, it really appears like God has wired you in some capacity to teach and has mm -hmm. created some opportunities there. And then I thought of this passage in 2 Corinthians 3, 1, where it says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need like some people letters of recommendation to you or from you? This is Paul speaking in Second Corinthians. And really in that letter to the church, he's he's speaking to the church, addressing those maybe his detractors, those that were kind of seeking to throw him under the bus. And later on in the letter, towards the end, he'll be like, you know what? Um, don't be so concerned about my reputation, because honestly, I can do nothing 
against the gospel, but only for the gospel. It's like Paul is saying, you know, um, I don't, I don't really need you to try and defend me. Um, and I think in a weird sort of way, he was addressing the like those that were like maybe speaking against him, but in, in an unconventional sense. And then he says this in chapter three, he says, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. So he's writing to the church and he's like, I don't really need a letter of recommendation because you're the letter of recommendation, like getting to spend time and invest in your life and, and help you grow. And, you know, that's, the letter of recommendation. And when I think about writing songs, I'm like, well, what if sometimes the greatest song ever written is the life of the person mm. that we touched for 10 or 15 minutes where there's some little refrain in their life, some little um, lick as songwriters, type, you know, that, yeah. or some little mm -hmm. hook that is, is such that if we never have a top 40 tune, there might be somebody in the kingdom or or somebody that discovers their purpose or lives out their calling because we had opportunity to quote unquote um, hammer out a melody with them that made sense. Yeah. 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 And something that stood out to me from what you were saying, like you were saying you were able to connect with your students kind of a little bit back in the conversation, but as someone who I took music lessons every week for 15 years and I had a bunch of different music teachers but I specifically remember this one I started taking violin from her when I was six and I still meet up with her every every summer I go home and I still like we always meet up at our campsite where yeah where we usually because we go camping in the town that she moved away so I ended okay. up getting a different teacher but Definitely, like, even though it's, like, your work, you still have a huge impact on these people because I still remember my music yeah. teacher. So what was the impact point for you with your she teacher? She was super encouraging to me, and I just remember she was, like, I was homeschooled, so she was, yeah. like, my first teacher I ever had, and I, I will just always remember her. So yeah. as you're encouraging you to, if you're still teaching, like, you, you do really have a big impact on the students. That's mm. cool. Yeah, no, thank you for awesome. sharing that. So, I mean, and there's more to the story and more to the song, but Caleb, if you were to do a wrap on our conversation today, um, anything you would want our listeners to, to take away in terms of either their journey conversationally with God or, or just even in, as how they're connecting with other people, intersecting, any, any thoughts you want to leave us with? Uh, moments from the sensei teacher that we should... <laughs> I wouldn't go that high, <laughs> uh, I would I would just say stay humble and stay curious because... Mm, um, I love that. Yeah, like there's, there's 8 billion people in the world to meet and they've all mm. got an interesting experience and... and uh, experience with life and i think we can learn a lot from each other so yeah awesome sure. stay humble stay curious and go intersect with somebody or with god or both both yeah yeah yes for sure <laughs> thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time on intersect